Good morning, Rabotai. Good morning. Breakfast today is donated for the Rifuashilima of Yehuda Ben Hanina with Avraham uh, Ben Musli, Esther Batsara, sponsored by David Somech, Azaku Baruch, Rifuashilima. As well, in loving memory of Raymond Raymonde and David Sofer, Aleyama Shalom. Lilui Nishmatam, David Ben Naima, Alava Shalom, and Simha Bat Hana, Alava Shalom, sponsored by the son Edward Sofer. Also in memory of Isaac Hassan, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Yitzhak Ben Miriam, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Alan, uh, Alan and Ronald Hassan. Azaku Baruch. The Pasuk says, V'yetzu kol adat b'nei Yisrael melefnei Moshe. And all of the people, they left, they walked out from in front of Moshe. And all the people came, uh, that their hearts were elevated and their spirits were soaring. They came to bring the Tirumah to God, they came to build the Mishkan. Rabotai, the famous question of the Nahalat Sevi asks, he says, why is it that we need to tell you that the people left from in front of Moshe? Anyone who's been following from the few Pesukim from the beginning of the parasha, the parasha begins and says, Moshe gathered them all together, all the Jewish people. And Moshe gathered them. So if you tell me, they left, I know from whence they left. You don't need to tell me that they left from Milifne Moshe. Why is that something which needs and bears repeating? And then the Halatsevi answers a fantastic answer. He says, that quite often, uh, when a person leaves from a speech, or they leave from a dirashah, they're so inspired in the class, when the rabbi speaks, we're not talking about me, we're talking about good rabbis, they leave after the class, you're very inspired, you're very excited, you want to do this, you want to do that, and you know what, as you get up from your chair, you do this, you look at the guy next to you, like, wow, give that face, wow, it was amazing, it was fantastic, you know, the guy says, life changer, that was amazing, like game changer. You know, mind blown. You walk, he says, from the seat until the door. He says, you forgot half the speech. By the time you're on the other side of the door, you're talking about the Yankees. Rabotai, you have to understand, he says, there needs to be a Roshem that after you walked out, you were able to remember who it was that you left from in front of. How do we know if the speech uh, made an impact on your life? What's the result? When the Jewish people came back, they came back having achieved that which they were spoken to about during the speech. It made such an impression that even after they left, they went home, they came back, they came back with what it was that Moshe Rabbeinu asked. Sometimes if your wife asks you to go get something or your husband asks you to get something, you start walking up the stairs, you say, what was it again that you wanted? You didn't even get up the stairs, you forgot what they asked you to get. You, the funniest thing, by the way, is that you, you figured out a direction in which to go, but you don't know what you're going to get. So why are you going to the kitchen or to the light living room or dining room? All that is, uh, you're walking Larik Vilashav for no reason, because you don't actually know where, what destination is, what it is that you're looking for. Rabotai, this is not just, unfortunately, um, from specifically from speeches and from Divre Torah and from inspiration, but it's also from life experiences as well. Many, many times we find that we experience in our lives things which should change the way we think, our patterns of thought and our paradigms of understanding. A terrible tragedy happens and we say, wow, the community will never be the same. Do you know what I think every time somebody says that? I say, I agree, never the same until Tuesday. That's how it works, unfortunately. The worst, the worst what's it called, sorry, tragedies or, uh, or catastrophic things that happen. Hash people, whole family could pass away. And you know what? 
Right then, everybody's there. We're going to change. We're doing this. We're going to start learning that. We're going to change. Everything gets, you know, thrown up into the air in the chaos. And then, a week later, two weeks later, no one remembers anything, except for the people who suffered themselves. Rabbi Meir Hadash, he, re- he says when he was in Russia, he was there after they, posed the, they deposed the czar. They got rid of him. In the aftermath of the revolution, what happened? All there was is a power vacuum. And in this power vacuum, you had all these different gangs. Everyone was just doing, they were trying to seize power for themselves. We had it just now in Egypt, very similar. You know, yeah, it happens again and again in all these different places. Whenever there's a power vacuum, almost always the most violent people, they jump into the space and they try to uh, execute a power grab. What happened? Same thing there. He's walking down the street and he sees out of the corner of his eye a man, he starts shaking. Why? Because one of the groups, the, one of the worst groups that they took laws into the matter in their own hands, if they saw a Jew walking on the streets, they would take out their gun, no judge, no jury, no trial. They would shoot him on the spot. He sees the guys running towards him. The Rabbi May is no match for this, uh, you know, athletic giant of a man. He tries running away. The guy grabs him with both arms. He starts dragging him now through the streets, yeah, of, of, uh, of the city in Russia. And he brings him to the impromptu police station that they had set up this gang. Shoves him up against the wall. Yeah, and Rav Meir says, even though the distance from where he picked me up to the, to the police station was very, very short, I managed to save Idui a few times. He says, he stuck me up against the wall, and he says, after cursing me out for being a Jew, he lifted up his gun. I'm looking at the guy, he says, my blood ran cold in my veins. I said, Shema Yisrael, I closed my eyes. All of a sudden, I hear a sound, instead of a gunshot, I hear the sound of a creak, of a window opening. As soon as I hear the sound, it wasn't what I was expecting. I opened my eyes, and I see out of the window, the man is looking up, the gunman is looking up. Out of the window, there's a, f- a severe face of, a, of a, a police officer. He says, let the Jew go. The man holding the gun starts swearing, cursing, everything, but he follows the order, he puts his gun down. Rabbi Meir Hadash, who went on to become a tremendous force in the yeshiva, in the mere yeshiva, he walks out onto the streets of the city and there's tears streaming down his face. Absolute open miracle. He starts singing to God, you know, Halel, whatever it is. He's praising Hashem, saying Tehidim. And on the spot, he decides, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to wake up at the nets and I'm going to finish these many masechdot. Rav Meir Hadash said, by the time I got back to yeshiva, I forgot half of them. By the time I, two, three weeks went by, you know, the other couple fell on the wayside. He said, by six months later, he says, I barely, I barely remembered the story. What was my mistake, he said. My mistake was trying to grab too much too soon from that place. When instead, what I should have done was thought to myself, clearly, rationally, what is something that I can do? that I can make happen. I think what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe gave a speech to all these people, talked to them about building, he, he said, Zahav, Kesef, Nechoshet, this is what we need. Nechoshet, Argaman, Tolat Shani, Shesh, Izim, this is what we need. And each person, when they heard something that they knew they had in the house, they grabbed onto that thing and they said, this is gonna be my move. This is gonna be my, uh, my chance to be able to do something positive. When a person is in a space like that, whether it's in a class, whether it's something that he's learning, whether it's something that he's experiencing in his, in his life, a tragedy or a difficulty, uh, immediately they should ask themselves, okay, 
What do I want to do? What do I want to grab to be able to categorize and quantify that I could bring home with me that I could take something out of this? There's an unbelievable line that I read this past week and I shared it with a few people. It's, uh, it was from an American journalist and she wrote, when we suffer, we look to God for a sign or message, forgetting that we just received one. When we suffer, we look to God for a sign or message, forgetting that we just received one. HaKadosh Baruch is talking to you. He's knocking at the door. If we get the messages, he don't need to call. He doesn't need to come down and you know, so you know, illustrate the message in, a, in louder tones and in darker hues. Let us understand when we have a chance, the Sefarim say, that if you go to a class, people say, Rabbi, you know, today's class, I really felt like you were speaking to me. The Sefarim say, that's because I am speaking to you. Hashem arranged it that you should be here on this day and hear this class. But if you have to listen to me every single day, it means that Hashem is either sending you a lot of messages, or maybe He's sending me a lot of messages. I'm not sure how that works. But one way or the other, there's a si'ata dishmaya, there's a reason why the occurrences in our lives, the words that people say to us, those things, they are illustrated in a way that we're supposed to take a message. I mentioned once before an amazing story of the rabbi of the Hafez Chaim, whose name was Rav Nachum from Haradna. He's walking down the street, and all of a sudden a man says to him, You dirty Jew! He says, you dirty Jew. <laughs> he stops walking. Middle streets on Shabbat. Stops walking. He reaches in his pockets. He starts checking his pockets. Student said to him, Rabbi, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, there's a reason why the things that happen to us happen to us. If the guy called me a dirty Jew, where's dirt? Dirt is something that's on a person. It made me think, Uli, the reason why Hashem is saying this is because it must be that there's something on my person that I'm not allowed to be carrying on Shabbat. And in one of his pockets, he actually found that he was carrying something. He takes it out, smiles, puts it down on the floor, and carries on walking. Isn't that unbelievable? Could you imagine if that was our immediate knee-jerk response to life's messages? To be able to work out what's being said, what do I need to do, how do I need to adapt, how do I need to change? May God bless us with the power and the capacity and the insight and the creativity to be able to work out what life's messages are teaching us, telling us, and guiding us to do.